This is Agency Side, telling the stories of starting, growing, and selling digital agencies. Sponsored by Natrular.com, the CRM system for SEOs and digital marketers. Now, here's your host, Rob Carey. I'm joined today by Ross Hudgens, the founder and CEO of Siege Media, a content marketing agency based in San Diego with satellite offices in Austin and New York. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thanks for having me, Rob. Excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's first of all go back to before you founded Siege Media. You graduated from Chapman University in Southern California in 2009 and worked as an SEO for a number of years. How did you first learn about SEO and why did you choose it as a career path? Yeah, uh, I started in SEO because I was a business marketing major and just was ta- had a random job scanning um, pharmaceutical documents for health studies, actually, like probably some vaccine study like is going on now with all the coronavirus stuff. And it was lucky enough to have a CEO there that knew I was a marketing major. He just said, Mar- how could you use that to market our business, even though I was still in college? Googled some stuff, found SEO naturally, and did some really bad SEO for her website. Um, but very nice of her to do that. And then that allowed me to um, get an internship. I eventually found a job with Sujin Patel, who's pretty well known in the, the SEO world and marketing world. That was super useful for me to have him as a mentor and now a friend. Um, and yeah, I really chose it because uh, just enjoy marketing and, and, and business generally. I don't know. I don't know. Something about search in particular stood out, but I can't even put a finger on it necessarily. And with Siege Media, did you start off as a regular SEO agency or was content marketing the primary focus from the start? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I was SEO kind of directionally focused at first, although link building was always kind of what I positioned myself as, um, from a personal branding standpoint as I grew my career. And naturally with the penguin penalty, a lot of the SEO world shifted to content marketing. Uh, so that was a natural kind of like move into, and I had already been blogging. So I felt like I had a natural feel for that. Uh, and yeah, the rest just kind of uh, grew from there. And content marketing, I think is a relatively new digital channel that traditionally sat with either the SEO agency or the PR agency or an in-house brand team. Would you say that most brands in the US are familiar with content marketing now as a separate online channel, or do clients come to you looking for just less risky alternative to traditional uh, SEO link building? Yeah, uh, good question. I'd say it's kind of a mix depending on the client. There are some clients where we for sure live in the SEO budget, if it's an enterprise company and they have a big enough kind of line item, and that's how they figure out they kind of divide their P&L, we definitely can sit in that um, from a budgetary standpoint. Because it's also easy to say search generates $5 million per year or whatever million per year. If we spend 20000 a month, it's easy to justify it when you can clearly see the return from that channel. While just content marketing as a more abstract thing is a little harder to make that kind of uh, connection directly to the P&L. Although some companies clearly have heard about it, as you know, and has gone up from a demand standpoint. So it's uh, there are more companies that I think just think in their heads, hey, we need content marketing, and then we kind of educate them on the SEO side of things. But um, yes, people do come to us very often looking for that less risky alternative for sure. And I know that Siege Media and yourself especially publish a lot of content and videos. Do most of your client leads come from this or mostly from other agencies referring business onto you? 
Yeah, it really is a mix uh, depending on the source. Like we are strategic about it, such as like doing podcasts like this. We did a lot of interviews pre-COVID and we're still starting to do our own podcast version of, um, although we do think we can get clients and do get clients just from people listening to that, there's also strategic um, alignment where we talk to people who are referral sources and also could be clients as well. And both of those have happened simply through that. So in some ways, the content is like just a nice to have, but the outcomes from building the relationship is often even stronger um, from those things. And the content itself, I think, again, all these things kind of tie together in terms of brand awareness, like our referral sources, I think are reminded we exist in some ways because of that content. And that that's a good reminder and new people find that. Um, and as a content marketing agency, I think it would be, uh, we'd be remiss to not be publishing some kind of content in some way. Uh, we need to eat our own um, dog food as it were. Uh, thinking back to uh, when I started an SEO agency in 2007, we really struggled to get really big brands to understand the value that we was adding. And we absolutely transformed the online revenue of a UK mobile carrier, the, the largest one in the UK. But our budget still came out of their contingency budget for many years. And it's basically just the money that they found down the back of the sofa. We were seen as more of a specialist contractor, whilst the real marketing was conducted by one of the big multi-billion dollar ad agencies. More than a decade later, I can imagine that content marketing is in a similar position. So how do you uh, win clients such as Zillow and TripAdvisor? Did you have to partner with a larger agency or was there someone in-house that really wanted you to come into the fold with them? It is a mix as well. Um, those two clients in particular are kind of unique in the kind of projects we had done there. And some of them, those are actually relatively old clients as well, just to be um, transparent about that. But for the t for other big brands, if you find and replace those two with other big brands we work with, um, there is a mix where maybe they have an internal technical SEO. That's very often one of our buyer personas is a technical SEO or technical consultant that works with them that then says you need heavy lifting from a content standpoint and they hire us. So they are championing us either as a consultant standpoint or internally, um, typically at those bigger companies where SEO is a bigger line item um, for sure. And then it tends to be the case SEO kind of hires us. Then they see the impact we have on all those other channels and all the other channels get excited about it as well. Um, and there is occasional company where that same consultant will um, be hired by, say, a CMO or VP of marketing because they don't have a dedicated headcount to SEO necessarily. And in those situations, you do have to kind of justify it. Thankfully, tools like Ahrefs and SMrush have made it easier for us to do that by using traffic value and traffic cost of what people are bidding on that same traffic from PPC standpoint. So it's been relatively easy for us to kind of justify that investment by using those metrics internally. And I know that's relatively new. I don't remember that very early in my career, but um, thankfully, a lot of those tools have started to add that. It's been a legacy at this point. Do you think there'll be a point in time when content marketing would sit with the CMO as one of their main channels? Or do you think it's right to, for it to sit within, say, sort of the SEO uh, team within the brand? I, I think CMO makes sense. And it's probably one of the areas where you help build brand if it's done efficiently. Like if it does sit under SEO, there are issues with you're building SEO-y content. Like that dynamic is always at conflict with one another of like you're trying to make something that drives search, but at the same time, being on brand. And I think if it sits under the SEO manager, sometimes it's more likely to feel keyword driven and disconnected from brand. So although it can be a struggle when it sits under the CMO in terms of like getting things on, making it on brand, 
um, making sure the topic works for their client and all those things. I think those are worthy endeavors for the sustainability of that brand. And often those end up being some of the most successful campaigns uh, for these companies. And is there a kind of a typical client for Siege Media, such as uh, a certain size or industry or geographical location? And also, are they tending to be sort of one-off campaigns or long-term retainers that you take on? Yeah, our typical client is in the U.S. currently, although we have a few clients that sit outside of the U.S., but for the most part there. Uh, from a size standpoint, I haven't really put a number on revenue, or nor do I ask that necessarily, but I often will do a, QA, a quality assurance check in the sales process of how many employees they have. So maybe they're 50 plus employees, that's a good indicator, or have they um, are they Series A plus from a funding standpoint, often means they have enough capital and maybe already have enough um, domain rating, domain authority to start seeing some results from content marketing faster as compared to seed stage. So in general, um, Series A plus funding, medium and large size businesses, maybe doing uh, have it has like 100k plus in traffic value um, on Ahrefs, or the potential to be 100k plus per month in traffic value. And we we don't do one off campaigns. We're more of a long term approach from the standpoint of how we work. And is there a limited lifespan to a content marketing client, perhaps a point in time when all the ideas dry up or it stops performing as well? Or can it just be an infinite uh, service offering? Yeah, I, I think there are definitely limits. You couldn't just do a 50K a month client for every single vertical. And we do try to kind of tailor it to the client type for that. But as you've probably seen, these markets are getting increasingly competitive from a content standpoint. So even the need of updating content is an ongoing one. In competitive markets, that's at least once a year. So um, uh, if you have 50 plus assets to build and promote potentially in your market, and a lot of those need to be updated once a year, you can see how that could go um, for a long time. And then the puck continues to move from a quality standpoint. So that's another effort that continually um, is top of mind for our clients too. And if a brand already has a SEO agency that's on their books or a digital marketing agency that's providing SEO services, how do you kind of fit into that mix without upsetting the client's existing agencies? Yeah, that's a good question. It does does happen uh, for the clients who think they can do everything. Kind of how we describe ourselves as we are upmarket is for those upmarket companies, they can't settle for mediocrity from a content and link building standpoint. And I think some of those companies that try to do everything sometimes inevitably are that. So in those instances, we do fit pretty nicely with the technical shops, the technical consultants who are clearly world-class at what they do. And we kind of stay away from that, although we have a small technical team um, when clients need that. But that's basically the fit most often is those companies we work nicely with are the ones that are basically self-aware enough to say, content is not our thing. Um, and also we can help them look better as well. So that's often a very complimentary uh, workflow because if they're the technical SEO and we're just uh, hopefully doing a good job, they're going to look good as well as the SEO results kind of move up and to the right um, through our combined efforts. And what do you think sets Siege Media apart from your competitors? And are there also any agencies that you aspire to be like? Yeah, from our competitive landscape standpoint, I think we like that we're positioned as not just a big fancy link bait. Uh, we describe ourselves as being a, adjacent to brand and be able to nail brand with our approach, which actually is rarely 
big giant link bait. It's hard to be on brand consistently with that kind of approach as compared to what we describe as like the baseball analogy of we're trying to get singles, doubles, and triples um, with our approach. We think that's also what Google wants to reward. And we're also tied to top funnel rankings as well. So our approach is tying in search and not just a link building component to it. Um, so we're very long-term and we get brand and we're aligning. We're not a link building agency. We're really building your content that drives sustained value. And the fact that we're picking that sector of the market, up market, enterprise, um, I don't think there's many that kind of fit in there. I wouldn't say that we're, in terms of agencies inspired to be like, there's agencies I respect for sure. Power Digital Marketing in San Diego um, that has now acquired some other agencies as well. It's a full service shop that I think does a really good job. Um, Terakeet is a company in um, Massachusetts who's actually not very well known because I believe most of their acquisition is through outbound marketing, which is complete opposite of us. But uh, as far as I understand it, they have a similar offering um, from a link building standpoint. And I think they're, they seem to be doing a really good job as well and respect that kind of different but um, similar approach. I think it's fair to say that most SEO agencies absolutely suck at content marketing. <laughs> Is there a secret source to getting clients sign off on these campaigns and then attracting new links naturally to them? I think it is the combination of just a lot of touch points. We do have good uh, writers. Uh, we do have good uh, designers. Our, a huge part of our team is design. Not everyone might realize that, but uh, around we have around 35 designers on staff. And we, like, we're, we work to make very scannable, easy to read content. In turn, those designs are easy to share and link to. So that is naturally... A complementary process that allows us to get more links for our clients. In addition, we are getting um, better and better at finding top funnel opportunities that have that passive link opportunity. In terms of secret sauce, none of it's like rocket science, but it is just executing over and over again at scale. But one of the things we've been liking from a prospecting standpoint is just going to Ahrefs top pages and then finding the Venn diagram of like highly linked assets on those top pages that are clearly top funnel content. And when you see that, it often means um, that there's a lot of passive link opportunity accruing um, or links that are coming naturally over time through those rankings. I think it's fair to say that SEO as a channel is a hard sell to most brands. And I think content marketing might be even harder to sell. So if I'm an in-house marketer with, say, $10,000 burning a hole in my pocket, why should I invest that into a content marketing campaign rather than going for the traditional link building approach, which can maybe guarantee 20 links to my site? And also, is it possible to estimate the return on investment before or after a content marketing campaign begins? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say if you only have 10K total, yeah, maybe go get those 20 links from someone who's willing to do that as a one-off. We typically don't commit to it that unless someone gives us six months of willingness to do so based on the fact that there is more certainty through six months of that as compared to one-off campaign we also try to charge less than that on a per campaign basis to go on the like single double triple approach i kind of talked to you and in those ways with that long-term focus we often will drive a better roi than the 20 links for the 10k uh, for these clients in addition to the top funnel value we add to them. But I would say from a ROI standpoint, that's where it comes back to traffic value as well. Lots of different ways we kind of slice and dice using that. 
one of the most obvious ones is just looking at the traffic value of competitors, dividing by the number of links they have. And that will give us a value per month. We then create like a lifetime value of that number, which for us is 24 months of like a quality link. And that will give them a value. So if you're in insurance, that number can often be like 10K to even 20K in some spaces. So if we can generate a link for them at the 500 range, obviously there's very clear ROI. But there's other companies that we do that math and it's actually like two, it's 3,000. In which case, the math is just not very good for them. And sometimes we don't pursue those companies. And that's part of our process, too, is make sure we can deliver a lot of value for the company. And if not, uh, maybe we should pass and pick a better opportunity. Our case study is important to prove that you were able to achieve those kind of ROI numbers in the past for other clients. Is that a way that you're able to kind of like prove the concepts to a new client? Definitely. Yeah, case studies are very valuable and we're always working to make more of those and get more of them in different industries as well. Could you tell us uh, what some of your company's biggest successes on client campaigns have been? Yeah, sure. So one of the case studies, I probably shouldn't go too in depth with some of these. You can see our work page. We actually just launched a new one, which um, we hope better shows our design shops um, to our potential clients. But we've done a lot of work for Shutterfly, who does um, invitations, and they have a whole idea section, which is inspiration focused. Um, and on that section, we're building a lot of content that ties to basically any situation that you can send an invitation. And a lot of this is very high quality content. There's a mix of calculators, printables. We have uh, just simple roundups that we do well and add a specific design flair to not just make it a roundup of 50 blogger photos. We done that repeatedly for them. And they have a traffic value now in the 1.7 million per month range, simply focused around all of those kind of concepts. And for them, they are a big brand. So in a lot of ways, we're not doing a lot of active link building for them. It is really just getting that content live, updating it, um, and getting it, setting up to rank because we know they have the existing authority to do that without the manual heavy lifting um, on that standpoint. How important would you say that your professional network and industry relationships have been to Siege Media's success? I'd say very important for sure. And especially, I think it's getting to the case where Siege is outgrowing my personal reputation. For, for sure, my personal reputation, I think, was helpful to get going off the ground. Um, and it is just continuing to invest in that uh, has been valuable in terms of like all these things just like meet someone random for a coffee in Austin or wherever I go that I have no transactional desire to do anything with, but I know is a smart person, I might be able to add a value, a little value to them. And that's something I've kind of rinsed and repeated um, and just played that long game on and have seen that stuff come back sometimes like four to five years later in a way that's fruitful. LinkedIn shows your employee account approaching 90 people. And I remember passing 25 employees and it brought a lot more paperwork and HR requirements. And then passing 50 people meant uh, you're not really sort of an agile startup anymore. You're more sort of a corporate workplace. Have you experienced any growing pains at Siege Media in the last eight years? And how have you managed to tackle them? Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, it hasn't been simple on every uh, standpoint. Something we it's a night, something we've repeatedly encountered, which is a nice problem to have, is hiring. So we have often, uh, ironically, like had too much demand that we had to stop taking on new clients because we couldn't 
fulfill them, unfortunately, because we couldn't get quality people in the door. So over time, I've just worked on that and just put more resources towards that and hired and put good people on that problem. We're also continually iterating on outreach. So we do do a lot of outreach and our, our part of the reason that happens is our content marketing position does have a decent bit of turnover to it. We think we even get people to stick for a good amount of time because of our culture and also the fact that we allow them to do research and writing and grow their skills in that way. But the reality is it gets redundant to send email uh, outreach emails at any kind of scale, which is what we do. Um, so that's something we're continually working on iterating is like, how can we uh, retain teammates longer? And that's still not a solved problem, but we're uh, trying to grow in that standpoint and in finding different ways to support those teams and lighten their workload to kind of uh, make it a more fulfilling place to work. And how has COVID-19 affected Siege Media in terms of revenue, client numbers, and how your client relationships are managed? Are there any positives that come out of it as well? Yeah, so we definitely were hurt pretty significantly, uh, lost pretty much every single travel client we had. Thankfully, it was not a major percentage of our revenue at that time. I'd say we lost around 200K in lost revenue a month, but a lot of that bounced back pretty quickly. And we're, knock on wood, thankful to be above that previous range today, um, and especially in January. So feeling very good in that regard. And yeah, overall, it was just a nice lesson to continue to diversify um, in everything we do. I think there is a positive to the long-term effort of SEO and content marketing that uh, we didn't get hit as many hard as many other agencies did. I've heard of some PPC agencies that just got really, um, really hurt because everyone paused their PPC spend in the moment. Thankfully, that didn't happen with all of our clients, but we definitely had a lot of churn. Uh, but uh, overall, yeah, just been a lesson of continuing to yeah diversify. And now we're in the situation of just trying to manage our team better and keep everyone culturally engaged in a remote workforce, which seems like the bigger problem as compared to client performance. Yeah, because Siege Media has offices in San Diego, Austin, and New York. And if I was speaking to you last year, I'd probably be asking, are you planning to open up any more offices, perhaps in Europe or further afield? But right now, loads of agencies are downscaling or closing their offices completely. Some are opting for 100% remote working, which certainly lowers operating costs, but can also badly hit staff morale and innovation. So where does Siege Media stand on this in terms of opening new offices or closing offices down and remote working as well? Yeah, it's a good question. How we're moving towards it uh, was kind of in, it was inspired by Dropbox. I believe they call it remote first or digital first is how they're thinking about their workplaces moving forward. So our game plan is to still have offices in each of these locations, but have them be meeting spaces rather than full-time working spaces. And this will allow us to still save money from an operations standpoint in terms of being able to actually shrink some of our spaces, but actually allow more people in the area to work within them. We're already remote hiring remote. We had several remote people on staff before, and now are further accelerating that push. And yeah, we're, we might, we're thinking about a Europe presence for sure. And that is in the, um, the sites in 2021. But yeah, with the reality of offices, we'll see if it'll make sense to hire this or maybe it makes sense to just hire someone remotely that's the senior leader there to show that we have a presence. I haven't fully figured that out yet. 
And last year, you launched a side hustle called Growth Comet with Jonathan Dane, who's CEO of the PPC agency Client Boost. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how it came about? Yeah, sure. So uh, Jonathan has run a really high growth agency in Client Boost, which focuses in PPC and CRO, as you kind of touched on. And I was just of the mind that um, there wasn't any great resources in this regard. And Jonathan is all, it has also grown a really great agency on the opposite side of the field as us. So I thought it'd be useful to come together, bring, build uh, a course and also a community to do that. But, um, and it's gone well, and I think the course is really solid, but what we've re- learned from the process is with everything, um, focus is, is everything. So uh, unfortunately, neither of us have really had the time to market it as much as we want or invest in it as much as we want. So today, we shifted from a paid community to a free community. Um, so if you are listening to this in an agency or a con- full-time consultant, um, we'd love your expertise in there. And we still have the paid course as well because we spent so much work putting into that. Um, but yeah, it was basically a lesson in uh, we want some community to go to and talk to other agency owners. Let's do this. Let's build that. Let's build a comparable course because we've both done it. Yeah, that's where, where it sits today. And from the Growth Comet community, what would you say are the biggest challenges that new agency founders face or perhaps stop people from launching an agency at all? Yeah, some frequent questions we get are how to like get that first customer. That's a very common one. How to generate more leads. That's also another common one. I think sometimes these thought processes are not backwards, but a lot of it solves itself simply by being good at what you do. If you're coming from, I was I was lucky to not come from scratch, um, and that's actually one of the recommendations is don't come from scratch. In my opinion, build this on the side while you're doing something else and building that expertise. You should naturally acquire clients in a lower risk fashion than people that just jump with no personal brand whatsoever, no audience whatsoever. It's hard to acquire those first clients. Um, but I think a lot of those folks should be more focused on their service offering and also building an audience before making that jump that I think those are some of those things, Rob, that they will not make the jump because they don't have an audience. And some people will make that jump and without audience. And from what I can tell and watching the community and course, it has not gone very well for those people. Um, Cause you gotta be, there are some exceptions. Jonathan's one of them who got a ton of clients through Craigslist of all places. But I think that's more of the exception than the rule to be honest. Do you have any regrets or things you'd do differently at Siege Media if you could go back in time? No, not really. I mean, it has it, gone pretty, knock on wood, pretty well. This has for sure been the hardest year of all time in, in our history, but that's the case for many people. Um, and many have had it far worse than us. So, where you feel lucky in that regard. I did start an office um, in Long Beach, California originally. That was kind of the starting base for Siege after my first job. We left, and that's in the Los Angeles area for people who aren't familiar with that. But uh, I sort of regret doing that because it we sat, we have great people that are still on our staff from those days, um, which is a great part of it. But um, if I'd started, say, in Santa Monica, California, or maybe just gone straight to San Diego, maybe it would have been a faster process. Um, not that we were slow at all, but that was just kind of a we had a course correct on a bad decision of starting in a good metro, which I still think is a good idea and recommended despite the COVID environment in terms of networking and all of those things. So anyone starting agency taking it seriously, I would highly recommend trying to like get into a, an area where your, your service is highly valued and there's a lot of clients. 
I believe that you and your wife welcomed a baby boy into the world this year. First of all, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. How has this changed your work-life balance? Are there perhaps tasks you've delegated to your team that you would have done yourself before? And what does the uh, sort of future look like for Siege Media? I mean, I've always been focused and I've never been... Earlier in Siege, I worked more hours. I'm for sure hyper-focused every hour that I'm putting in now and even more so. Um, but I have... I was lucky that we got to the point functionally like right before we had our son to um, promote Caroline Gilbert, who's our director of marketing, to do more of the sales for us. So that was kind of the last step of delegation of technically now I don't have to do anything uh, to continue to have Siege grow. I'm just an accelerant and can help from a strategy standpoint. So I look forward to continuing to do that. And um, I think my work-life balance will hopefully be good uh, moving forward um, from that. But yeah, the future looks bright. We're going to continue to push forward on the growth standpoint. We're investing more in UX design as of late. We're playing more of a long-term game with link building is a recent focus for us in terms of those top funnel rankings and building engines for for our clients. And yeah, we uh, I would fully expect us to be um, in Europe and probably uh, the UK specifically at some point um, in 2021. And are there any plans to potentially offer a different uh, marketing channel or perhaps launch a software product? Or do you want to really focus down on content marketing and just widen your audience to other areas? Yeah, I, it's mostly to to that aim, I would say. So UX design is something we're doing more and more because of that evolving status of competitiveness. I think you have to be better and better. And we realize some clients will be have a blog that just looks mediocre or a landing page experience that is just not great. And we help them kind of upgrade that as a starting point. So I see us doing more of that. Um, I have considered adding paid social at certain standpoints, but uh, always am considerate of diluting our positioning. And it's been so valuable for us to date. Um, I think we do we have the potential to do more from the B2B side of things. We tend to be a little more B2C today, so that it will be a push um, next year. Have thought about software. Again, going back to the growth comment experience, really, I, I have heard of very few situations where that's gone super well. I know from a sales standpoint, and you probably know this better than I do, Rob, uh, that having a technical component, it all helps with sales for sure. Um, clients like knowing that they're, they're hiring you for something than, other than just that head um, that they could hire themselves. So that is something, but I've always kind of struggled with coming up with an idea that doesn't already exist uh, through Buzzstream or something else that would make sense for us to do. And if you could give a new agency founder one piece of advice, what would it be? That's a good question. I, I mean, it, we sort of touched on it earlier, but I, maybe it's right before agency founder. It's building a client base before you make the jump. Do that service. Uh, work at an agency. I worked at uh, Single Grain, which is SEO agency, for several years. Hopefully, you get that own that your own growing pains and learn from someone else's uh, failures besides doing it yourself. And yeah, go to an area where you see your service being valuable. I think that is still going to be valuable today. It's not critical as much, especially not with COVID, but all those things I think tie in and um, can add value to your agency. Fantastic. Thank you so much for us for being on Agency Side. Thanks for having me, Rob. That's great. Thank you for listening to Agency Side, sponsored by Netriller.com. 
visit agencyside.fm to subscribe, read the show notes, and listen to previous recordings. Tune in again soon for our next episode. 